Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to the mailbag, and I've got quite a few very interesting questions, uh, very analytical type questions, so I'll have fun answering those. Uh, before we start, I wanted to remind you guys that the marketplace has changed dratic- radically and drastically. I don't know why I tried to put those two words together, but dratically is not a word. But the bottom line is it has changed quite a bit. And in that vein, I've had to go back and re-educate many, many people uh, and refocus our approach on how to go out and negotiate real estate deals because the deals are going to be 10 times better than what they were a year ago. And you have to know how to do that. You can't just go out and negotiate the same way you used to negotiate because the old negotiation techniques were such that the the buyers just rolled over and did whatever the sellers told them to do because they had to. That was all that was out there. So if you wanted to buy something, you had to pay what the seller wanted you to pay, and you had to negotiate against and go up against other buyers, and they would bid you up, and eventually you'd pay too much. And that's what's happened over the last couple of years. That's why right now the prices, or what we're coming out of right now in the last three years, is the prices got so high that the only way you could finance a deal and make it work is if the bank would only lend you 50 or 60% of the loan instead of 70 or 80 or 90 like we used to get, meaning the bank wanted nothing to do with it. So, yeah, we'll lend you money, but not nearly what you think it's worth. And so they cut back the proceeds 40 or 50%. Second thing that happened was they lowered the interest rate. The Fed kept lowering the interest rate so the business can keep growing in a term, in a time, in a period when they're already overstimulated. The Fed put in massive amounts of money, gave everybody money they didn't need by putting that money out there. Lowered those interest rates so that people could go out and buy stuff that didn't make sense. The properties were overpriced, and the sellers just kept selling them out there. Nowadays, that's all different. If you try to play that game the same way, you are going to get destroyed. So what I've done is come back. I don't teach on a regular basis anymore. It's just something that I've delegated to other people so that I could go on with my life and get, you know, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle type effect. But at this point, I'm going to come back. So I'm letting you know, if you want to find out about this change, you need to show up at this meeting. It is uh, November 16th is the case study. That's a Thursday night. That's where we bring out members that have done deals. We'll discuss a little bit there. But the real meat of it is going to be on my two-day weekend. I'm going to actually come back out and do a two-day. I've only done one two-day. I did it in Houston to turn this thing around and let people know the market has changed. I'm going to do another one in Dallas so that I you know, can get up there in the second largest market that we have and get out the message. So I'm going to be up there in person November 18th and November 19th. And you're not going to want to miss this because I'm going to explain to you the way the marketplace works in a normal market. And we're back now from a ridiculously 
overpriced seller's market. We're back down now to a normal market, with my prediction being we are sliding very quickly into a deep buyer's market. Now, it's a buyer's market right now, don't get me wrong, but it, that's a normal market is a buyer's market. In other words, seller wants to sell something, they put it on the market, and they wait till somebody comes along to buy it, not have 25 offers hit them the first day they put it out there. That's what was happening. Now it's back down to now they have to find a buyer. So it is a buyer's market. But at some point, it gets to where these guys over the next three years are going to have to sell because they're in loans that will not and cannot be sustained. And as these loans run out, as their interest rates go from four to five to six to seven, I've seen them as high as 10 because the adjustable rate mortgages on these things, these people can't sustain these these properties. They're going to lose them. They're going to have to sell them under a forced sale situation, and we want to be there to buy them. Now, interesting point. I get called every day. People tell me, Dell, I don't get this. This property, when I evaluate it correctly, is worth less than what the mortgage is. Now, how do you buy a property for less than what the mortgage is? That's the whole trick of it. That's what we've got to learn. That's what we've got to figure out. I know how to do it. I've done it before. I've done this in two different downward cycles. You just have to understand how it works. So if you want to come to that seminar, it's going to be November 18th and 19th in Dallas, Texas. Just go to our website, Lifestyles Unlimited, and uh, look it up. You'll find it there. I will get a link for it later on. Now, let's go ahead and get started with this mailbag. The first email I kind of want to use to answer not only the question that's actually asked in the email, but also to expound on it a little bit. And uh, let's go ahead with it. It says, I'm a huge fan. I'm currently between jobs, but my goal is to become a member and start investing. My question is, do you recommend that I set up an LLC or, since I own my own home, a living trust now before the end of the year, such that I can protect my anonymity before the new CTA law takes effect? I understand you can be exempt if you've done before January 1st. is there something I should set up now to give me anonymity? Well, let's start with the, the direct question. I came back to her and asked her, what is the CTA law? I had no idea. And she wrote me back, Corporate Transparency Act. So I had heard about it, and I just sloughed it off. And basically what it is is that I believe, and I'll look it up and get more detail for you, but I don't think the detail's that necessary. Basically, they want to know what the heck each corporation owns and who are the owners of that corporation, because there's so much criminal activity that goes on behind corporations. So let's get to our question. Do I need to set something up? My answer is, are you a criminal? Because if you're setting up something to hide who owns it, because you're a criminal, then you definitely need to do something to get set up now, if it's going to exempt you from a transparency act. But if you're not a criminal, you're not going to stop using corporations. And, and we don't use corporations, by the way. We use LLCs, limited liability companies. That's another whole seminar in itself. But just take my word for it. It's a liability entity that doesn't have the problems, tax problems that corporations have. Okay. So the bottom line is that this LLC is what we use. We don't need to preset them up because we're not trying to hide who owns them. When we buy single family houses, we were able to get better financing. If you were not in an LLC, if you buy the property into an LLC, you're now making it a commercial loan. And the commercial loans are tougher. Uh, they have higher down payments, lower, higher interest rates, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're just not as good a loan as a, as a single family. So we could get up to 10 single family loans through Fannie Mae. So what people would do is they'd buy eight or 10 houses under Fannie Mae loans in their own name. Then they would set up a holding company and move them all into the holding company and get all those loans out of their name and go back and buy more Fannie Mae loans. So I never really just flipped them around. I just kept the loans in my name. And if I needed something where I had to go buy commercial loans, I'd go buy commercial loans. I, I set up LLCs and got you know all kinds of different kinds of types of financing available to me. So, you know, it's really hit or miss whether we actually use. I used LLCs whenever two things occurred. One, I had partners. If you have a partnership, you absolutely need an LLC to eliminate uh, joint and severable liability. You got to keep the liability down to just the LLC. Um, and that's very important. Uh, the second reason I'd use an LLC is because there's something that is really scary about the property. And, um, uh, I used LLCs in those situations uh, just to be able to wrap properties together was another reason. Sometimes I'd buy stuff together, buy two or three properties at the same time, and they would be cross-collateralized. Well, if a property's cross-collateralized, that means the loan is held against all three properties. I'd want that in an LLC because, really, I only need to make one payment to that loan. I don't need to make three different payments. I don't want everything, all the expenses to be broke down to three different properties. I mean, the, the expense is a singular expense. So I'd put it all together in an LLC. Right now, let's talk about liability for a second. And by the way, I'm not an attorney, so you can talk to your attorney about this and spend money. But here's what my understanding of what I've seen in 34 years of this is that you are more likely to get sued for what you do in the rental real estate business than what your company does. Now, if you own a rental property inside an LLC and you have a management company inside an LLC, and there are actual employees inside the management company, then it's likely that you would keep from getting sued. Your property would get sued and your management company would get sued because they're going for the assets inside of the property, but they're going against the people in the LL or in the property management company. The lawsuit is always brought upon by somebody doing something to somebody else. And so, I've seen people do stuff that, you know, most people, most grown adults do not understand the law. They really don't. They don't understand interpersonal communications. They don't understand what the law will and will not allow anymore for employees, employment, non-employment, for screening people. Uh, people don't bother to figure out about discrimination lawsuits and or other stuff. They just do it, right? Let's just do it. And... Lo and behold, they get sued. Having an LLC will not stop you from getting sued. If you assault your uh, tenant in some way, they can sue you. Not just your LLC, but you. So the only way you can completely eliminate yourself from that is have your asset inside of one LLC, your management company inside of another. But if you lose the lawsuit, they're going to end up suing the management company and the property and the, the properties inside the, the LLC, they can get the property. So whatever equity you have in that property is also at risk. So the largest protection you have about from getting sued in most cases is to have debt on the property. Because if they win a lawsuit and there's the property has no equity that they can see or if to get to the equity is very, very difficult, then they're not going to be that interested in going after that. Then they'll usually settle for whatever the insurance. And that's the other thing you need to have. You need to have liability insurance, operators insurance, 
because that's where somebody's going to step up and protect you. Think about it. Even if you have an LLC and somebody sues you and they sue the LLC, you're going to have to pay an attorney to get you out of this mess, even if you can get out of it. Even if you can get out of it, it's going to cost you money. So you need an insurance policy, a liability policy that steps up between you and that person and says, okay, bring what you got. Let's look at it. We'll see if we can get this thing settled. Uh, if you're right, we'll give you something to go away. If you're wrong, we're going to fight you to the, you know, to death type of a thing, right? So in this particular situation, um, it's more important to have the liability insurance than it is to have the LLC. But having the combination of them does put two layers of protection. The, having the debt is a third layer of protection, and you knowing what you're doing and never doing something illegal to a tenant is your fourth level of protection. And that's what I teach at Lifestyles Unlimited, is how to be an effective landlord. Best product, best price, best people skills. It's always been, and we've always just threw out the short part, best product, best price. But it's best product, best price at any price point and delivered by the best people possible. What do I mean by price point? Hey, We're going to treat people that live in a trailer farm a little bit differently as into how we screen them, because to fill that place up, you're going to take people that wouldn't qualify to live in a Class A apartment complex. We're going to give them the same respect. We're going to give them, deal with them the same way legally, but we're going to have a looser set of qualifications. When you get to the high-end side, you have to screen them and have a tougher set of qualifications, because if you don't, then what happens is the people at the bottom of the totem pole of personal dignity and ethics, they have no ethics at all. They would rip you off in a second. They would steal from you. They would destroy your property. These purple Martian type people, and I call them purple because they come in all colors, Martians because they're all nationalities. These purple Martian type people, you've got to screen them and keep them out of your property. Why? Because once they get into a Class A property or a really nice Class B, they will run all your other tenants off, man. There's just no way. You will find it very difficult to bring people in once you have these people in your property. Bottom line, you can destroy a property with bad tenants. So in this particular case, that skill, that management skill is a whole nother liability protection level that you need to have to get into this business. Or you need to have a great property management company, which in many cases, they don't know it either. We'll be right back with the Del Walmsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Lifestyles Unlimited says the things you just can't say to your friends, boss, kids, financial planner, or your spouse. Need us to deliver the message? Don't worry. We podcast every broadcast. Go to lifestylesunlimited.com forward slash radio. And turn up your speakers for everyone to hear. We deliver unconventional wisdom 24 hours a day at lifestylesunlimited.com forward slash radio. 
or wherever you get your podcasts. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is the mailbag. <laughs> Sorry. The, um, the stuff we're going through today is emails that people send me. You're welcome to send me these emails. You send them to Ask Dell, and Dell is spelled with one L, D-E-L. So A-S-K-D-E-L, Ask Dell at L-U-I-N-C dot com. L-U stands for Lifestyles Unlimited. Inc. is obviously the incorporated part. L-U Inc. L-U-I-N-C dot com. And uh, you can send these questions to me, and I'll answer them either personally, uh, or I may elect that yours is a good enough question to bring online and share with everybody. So having said that, we'll get back to the next question. It says, during uh, the great multifamily sell-off of 2008-2009, were you buying all cash or were you buying multifamily properties with leverage? If you were leveraging yourself into these crisis area, buy me, please deals during this brief time, what was your LTV on the numbers. Well, the the situation is such that back then the financing was way better than what it is right now. The banks have gotten really touchy about financing because the prices are way 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 overpriced, right? So, back then we were able to get 90% financing in some cases uh, or at least 80% in almost every case. And we were buying these properties with leverage. And the way the banks saw it was is okay, for example, I would buy a property that had been worth $50,000 the month before, and or no, let's take it down. Let's say it was worth $35,000 a month before, and I was buying it for $25,000, right? So it's 10000 below. To them, the problem was that the marketplace was depressed. The operator wasn't strong enough to deal with the property. It, um, it wasn't that the debt was too large. And really in those days, it was really operational problems because you had every which way going wrong with a recession. So when we'd step in and we had great credentials, my partner in this situation was the vice president or had been the vice president of the second largest property management company in the country. I myself have whatever credibility, you know, 50,000 clients listening to you brings and uh, 34 years of experience. Back then it was only probably 24 years of experience. Uh, or less, 20 years of experience. And we were able to go to banks and say, okay, we're going to buy this distressed asset and you know, give us a loan. And they would lend us 80% of what we're buying uh, or really what would be probably 70%, 65% of the after-repaired value. Now, think about what that is. It's the same lending we're getting now. We're getting loans for properties that we go and buy them and they're full and we're telling the bank they're great investments. And the bank is saying, yeah, well, we'll lend you 60% of that. We were getting 60% of the full number, but which was really 70 or 80% of the price we were paying. That's how you finance that stuff. You're still getting that loan, that very bad loan, but the price is so good that it makes the loan a good loan. The other thing back then, we were buying these things uh, on bridge loans, and the bridge loans in many cases would allow you to build in renovation costs and sometimes holding costs. And the holding costs, I'm going to explain to you in a second, are much different. But the renovation costs, they would build them into the loan. So what would happen is, let's say we needed to buy, we needed um, 
to borrow $10 million or $20 million to buy the property, whatever it was. But we needed another 2 or $3 million to renovate it. Well, they would give us a loan, you know, for the... First of all, you got to realize, it's probably 70 or 80% of what we paid for it. So, 80% of the $10 million we paid for the property, which would be about $8 million. But they'd also give us a loan for the other million, million and a half that it ta- took to re- refinance it. Or that, in total, with what they gave us was all part of the 80%. And that's probably more realistic in the situation. So the purchase price and the rehab money bundled together was about 80% of what we were buying the property for. No big deal. Then what would happen is they would only give us the money as the rehab was done, the rehab money part of it. They'd give us the part to buy the property. They would hold back the renovation funds. We would go in, have contractors under contract to do it specifically in amount for a contracted amount for a specific period of time, and they'd get in, get it done, and then they'd get paid by the bank for the work after it was inspected. Simple as can be. However, when we started buying properties that had gotten so bad they were completely empty, now the bank would not lend you the money necessary to bring the thing back. They would lend you some portion of the price of the property, right? But then they wanted you to bring the down payment money and the rehab money and the holding cost money. Uh, Holding costs are something that you never think about unless you've actually done this, and that is you're buying a property that makes no money. You have all the cost. You have all the utilities. You have to pay on all the units. You have the mortgage payment to the bank. And many times they'd give you six months, no payments even, on some of these deals just to let you get your feet under you, right? Um, which is no big deal to them. They're, they're wanting the payoff. You know, they're, they're looking for the long-term business. In fact, many banks back then used to come to me and say, Dell, why don't you come to us and give us your business? I mean, it was bizarre back then. Uh, they were looking for deals because nobody was strong enough to do a deal. In, that, in those situations. So they would bring us the money and say, hey, can you find a place to put this money to work? We'll back you, right? So we knew we had the money. That wasn't the problem. Uh, but in many cases, when these properties were completely empty, by the time we brought the money necessary to hold the property and to renovate the property, it wasn't that much more money to go ahead and buy the property. Then in those cases, we paid cash for stuff because we could get to very easily all the money we ever wanted. Why can we get to all the money we ever needed or wanted? Because we're within Lifestyles Unlimited, which has a group of people that all work in a common knowledge situation. We all know what each other knows. We understand what each other does. And then people can get involved in these different deals if they want to. They elect to get in. Well, when you have a good, strong lead uh, syndicator, we call them lead investors because they've gone through additional testing at our place and made some promises to their partners. When you have a good, strong lead and a great deal with great opportunity, it's pretty easy to raise the capital. Let's go ahead and take a look at the next question. It says, uh, do these ever work out? Oh, cash calls. He's talking about the guys talking about the fact I have cash calls. And do they ever work out? I'm in a couple different deals outside of Lifestyles Unlimited where they're asking for cash calls and one inside of Lifestyles Unlimited where they're asking for cash calls. The scary thing is, this is an interesting point he said, it's the the so-called top-of-the-line lead investors that are doing this. Uh, Yeah, people fall into this, this category of the Midas touch. And the Midas touch is when you get so arrogant, you believe 
everything you touch is going to turn to gold. Now, after you learn how to do this stuff and you're good at it, you buy a property, fix it up, you turn around and make millions. Buy a property, fix it up, turn around and make millions. You do get a little heady. There's no doubt about it. You get arrogant. It feels like, wow, making money is easy this way, right? It's not easy. You know a lot. But when you get so arrogant that you start allowing risk into the deal, and there's multitudes of risk, which I explain in this class coming up in uh, November, there's multitudes of risks these people just stopped paying attention to. And that's what got them in trouble. Now, you have to remember, I told my members for the last three years in a row, every single year, this is not the time to be using adjustable mortgages. Remember, I've used them. But I used them when interest rates were going down, not when interest rates were going up. So for three years, I've been screaming this. They neglected and willingly neglected to listen to what I was saying. So these people are now hung out. Let me tell you as a passive what they're literally saying. I expected to get paid fees. Fees is the secret to this whole thing. I expect to get paid my management fee and my lead investor fee for doing this. And now there's no profit. There's no money. We can't even pay our bills. I want you all to put up this capital so I can keep this thing running. Well, they want to keep it running because they're going to continue to take fees. If I was ever going to pay into a cash call ever, I would demand that the lead investors stop taking their fee. No more management fees other than the cost of the employees. And that's it. No more lead investor fees until everything was paid back and all partners were whole again. That lead investor should never get paid a fee ever again. That's the way I see it. That's the way I would play it. That's what I would do if I were that lead. I guarantee you that is the only fair thing to do. Otherwise, this lead is asking you to put up money after lost money, throwing good money after bad, making that good money bad money. This is not fair, and this is not a good proposition for yourself. So I wouldn't do it. Moving on to the next email, it says, I have a HELOC for $90,000. How would you advise me to use this HELOC? Since interest rates are high right now, you do not want to have loans out unless you have that money doing something very effective. With an amount of only $90,000 to work with, you definitely need to get into single-family houses. And here's the numbers we're playing with. Out there, the stuff I'm looking at on a regular basis uh, that my members are doing is about $25,000 down to buy a house now. Remember, houses used to cost me 25000 total. Well, it now costs 250000 and we're buying them for 150000 But you still have to come up with the money for the purchase price and the rehab. So around twenty, dollars uh, We've seen as low as 10000 down. We've seen as high as 30000 down. But it's in that range somewhere. You're going to have to come up with it. But the equity captured immediately, most of these deals, is somewhere between 50 and 100% equity capture. Meaning that if I put up twenty grand, I'm making ten grand to twenty grand instantly the day I close on the deal because I'm buying it that much below market value. So that's the reason why you use these small chunks. Also, most of these deals are cash flowing right out of the blocks, two hundred to five hundred dollars a month cash flow. And that typically ends up being somewhere between ten and twenty percent cash flow. So again, that interest rate on that HELOC might be uh, seven or eight or whatever, it might even be 10. I don't even know what he likes to go for now. Uh, you need to make sure you've got at least a 10% cash on cash return if you've got a 10% HELOC because you've got to pay the HELOC payment, right? And you'd want to be able to pay it from the amount of profit you're making. But that capital gain really still makes the deal worth doing uh, because you can build a lot of wealth that way. Um, the other way to look at it is if the HELOC is just a part of your mortgage payment, then all that money is profit. And 
you can look at it either way. Either one of them won't bother you because you got to pay that house off someday. And I never want to pay that house off. I never would want to pay my house off unless I had enough cash to buy enough investments to retire myself to never work again. Now, that listen carefully. I have a paid in full home. Why? Because I have more cash than I need to go out and buy my next investment or my next actually 10 investments out there. I have, I am liquid, right? So I don't need the money out of my house. But if this great recession were coming right now and I didn't have any money and I had a paid in full house, I'd refinance my house, take the money out and go make millions during this new recession. All right, hope this all helps. And remember always, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.